Welcome in episode 239 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. We're going to be making an announcement later in this episode about details on how you can enter to win a uh, Dream Gorilla ride by participating in a challenge that Mike and I are doing for ourselves that we wanted to then open up for you guys. But also, uh, Dream is doing a lot of uh, artist Q&As live via their, I believe, Facebook and Instagram pages. So if you're not following them on social media, go check out them on Instagram, Facebook, and get the details about when their next live Q&A session with one of their different endorsing artists. Um, yeah, so that's the deal. We'll get back to this contest announcement here later in the episode. But for now, let's get going. Take two. Coming to you live. We are so pro. Hey, how you doing? So pro. <laughs> but your your audio is going to sound good, and I think I have audio now. Uh, my <sighs> goodness. We were flowing. Now it sucks. Okay. How's everyone doing? <laughs> but we did just save everybody from 10 minutes of fitness talk, which shouldn't have been in there in the first place. Yeah, I think we can so summarize take be by better. saying that I, I hate cardio and um, drums are cool. All right, let's go. There we go. I think we're all caught up. We got everything going. So we have a lot of stuff. Well, you had mentioned right before we had to restart that you t- were going to try to do a bunch of albums with the same kit and maybe swap out the bass drum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Last week, um, I was claiming to be able to use one kit for a bunch of stuff. It didn't work out. So the it was the Oak kit that we used in the snare, yep. the snare drum demo from a couple weeks ago. Perfect for the smooth jazz record. Super clean. Everything was really pristine. The next thing to come in was this kind of really ambient, big, bombastic rock thing. Nah, way too small sounding. I just couldn't. Really? It's just too clean. Some drums just sound too clean. There's no, nothing That's I could funny. do. That's funny. When we were them. talking about it last week, I was going to ask, when you have as much control over your sound as you do, and I don't mean just your playing, but I mean you're the one actually mixing this thing. Do you even need to switch from a 20 to a 22, or can you just make it sound bigger in the mix? So you're saying at some point you you can't fake it no. unless you're going samples. There's nothing I could. There's not. It just wasn't big enough. It wasn't enough sound. It wasn't. It wasn't weird enough. It wasn't vibey enough. Yeah, it was just. It was so strange, and I knew it right away. As soon as I did a take, I'm like, ah, that sounds like if if Jeff Picaro would try to play with Secret Machines or some like indie rock band. It just wasn't right. <laughs> it just right. wasn't the wow. vibe. So, yeah, that so, didn't last. I did four and tracks. That, and I think that comes back to everything that you and I have talked about for years on this podcast, which is drums aren't better or worse. They're either right for the situation or they're not. Yeah. But that's – I mean, there's so many times that I would take a lesser kit price-wise because it was the right vibe. Yeah, I can't think – I mean, situation. aside from maybe a Black Beauty, I can't think of one drum that you could make work for everything. I can't. Totally. I can't think of it. I was going to try, but I failed miserably. <laughs> well, that's good to know. It, it validates all of us gear hoarders. Yeah. It's like, cool. And the other now thing, I mean, I can... that, that smooth jazz record, it was like every, everything was just instantly perfect. Everything sounded good. I didn't have to do anything. I got to this indie rock thing, and it was it was like, man, this, the hi-hat mic is wrong. The snare drum is wrong. Everything is wow. wrong. The tuning is wrong. It, it was, oh, it was way more like a, a painful birth to get this track to sit right. <laughs> but once it got, we got there, beautiful baby. <laughs> so let me, uh, process-wise, uh, I'm just trying to move forward. I do not want to think about you giving birth. Uh, process-wise, what happens? You track all this stuff once and then send, I mean, not once, but until you're happy with it and you send it to the artist and do they get revisions based off of payment or how does it work? Yeah, I usually send an MP3 mix um, depending on who the artist is, if I trust them, I won't include the click. If I don't know them, I'll have the click blazingly loud so they can't possibly use the track. Steal it, yeah. Um, just a quick MP3, here's where I'm at. I'll give you two or three takes. If these are cool, I'll give you the files. Nine times out of ten, they say, just send them over, it's great. Every once in a while, it's like, yeah, that's it's cool, but try a different part here or go crazy okay. at the end or whatever. So I usually give them a, you know, one round of revisions. Most of gotcha. the time. I mean, how often are you given scratch drum tracks 
before you play. Remy's feeling it, man. He's God. missing out on being part of the podcast. I love them, and they're like 20 feet overhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know, yes, your drums do bleed upstairs. <laughs> what was so the how, how often do you get scratch drum tracks or drum mm-hmm. ideas before you ever play from the you artist? You know what? These days, almost 100% of the time, I get... Like, it must help, right? And save you time of guessing what they yeah, want. They'll program something simple or they'll find a loop. And, and honestly, Logic's new drummer feature it just kind of it's ai it just makes a drum track that works a good enough okay which is kind of scary i mean it literally sounds like someone performed a drum track to the song really yeah it's kind of strange yeah you can strike that from the podcast (laughs) but it's good enough to where like this is the feel this is the you know the hi-hat should be playing 16th or ace or it's halftime or it's gotcha so yeah almost at this point i haven't gotten like a rough just like acoustic guitar vocal thing in years that's good i i know that we as drummers want to have our egos there just saying like just let me be creative but for the most part it's like we will save so much time if you'll just tell me what you want because in that moment you're not generally hired as a bandmate you're hired as an independent contractor like tell me what to do and i'll do it but if you just give me freedom we're, it's not that you like you said it's not that they don't like what you played it's just not what they were hoping for and it's like well I can't guess what you're hoping for unless you just give me some direction yeah there's um, no, there's very I mean unless it's an original band where I'm pretending to be the drummer and then it's like I'll, I'll give you four or five different totally different approaches and we can kind of find the right thing that's a totally different scenario right. that's a collaboration yeah that's totally different yeah. usually it's you know it's this they'll give me a reference or something and we just go with it so all of these came with like program drum tracks that I just basically spruced up and made them sound like live drums awesome man which is super fun okay well this is about to be the episode of the clave so <clears throat> all right so so strap in everyone we're going <laughs> deep with the clave i want to start with social media yesterday or on wednesday excuse me vic firth put out my second challenge for the hashtag vf challenge series and that was to play a 3-2 sewn clave, which would be, if we're feeling it as 16th notes, 1-E and a 2-E and a 3-E and a 4-E and a 1-E and a 2-E and a 3-E and a 4-E and a... To play that inside of double strokes. Mm-hmm. So you're okay. just playing right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. And you have to... So really, there's only two physical options. You're either going to accent the first of a double stroke or the second note. That is way easier said than done for a lot of people that haven't actually done private drum lessons with an instructor or really worked on their hands yeah that's that's awkward because you're throwing two different paradigms on top of each other it's it's right. two different matrix yeah it's it's tough it's yeah so i mean weird. doing the classic drum teacher exercise of hitting the first note of double strokes right right left left right right and then a measure later right right left left right no problem yeah you get into but the when flow you get, of that yeah Totally. There's a flow to it. But this, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. Right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right. That's tough. That's tough. That was hard to say, by the way. slapping it on the desk. Are you recording? You got some audio? We good? Dog, don't even worry about it. I'm looking at those wave files. They are on fire right now. Make sure I'm good, too. All right. So anyway, so that was the challenge. I was shocked how many people actually could do it and what i had to i eventually had to make a video for people that were struggling with it and put that up on my story and say look everyone that submitted their response to this in the first hour and a half of this challenge i promise you they've already worked on this there is no way that someone has never worked on this and was like oh great idea let me give it a whirl (laughs) and was able to do it in an hour not a chance these are people that definitely worked on the stuff juno my dog just got here she just got her license, so she now comes and visits me without anybody to take her. Her license um, to drive? Yes, yeah, she drives. Yeah. Now my wife is here. Hi, Am. <laughs> Love you. You want to say hi to Mike Dawson? Babe, we're live. I mean, you got you got to come in hot. <laughs> hey there. Hi, Mike. How are you? Not bad. Good to see you. <laughs> okay, here. Bye, babe. Bye. Um, okay. So, anyways. Once again, hey. welcome to the professional Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. Special guests and welcome. All. <laughs> Hashtag Corona times. <laughs> so anyways, um, so yeah, I wanted people to know, like, if you just sat down at the pad and all of a sudden your whole world went to hell when you tried this, first of all, the people that are doing it didn't do 
it from scratch. They worked on the first note, then they worked on the second note, you know, doing the second note of the doubles. They've mm-hmm. done this stuff before, and then I just gave them a, a combination to do, but most likely they'd already done it. So, d- did you ever have a time where you went further than accenting the first note and or the second note? Or you just, actually did complex rhythms. Yeah, I was just remembering a lesson I had. I think it was John Riley. Um, he would you studied have, with John Riley just because I auditioned to to go to purchase in Manhattan School for grad school. So okay, it, it, part of the audition was a little bit of a lesson involved. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and I think he had me reading syncopation with double through with over doubles and also wow. over paradiddles. That was the two things he was. I think that's him, really cool. Kind of, I must be getting old. My memories are all kind of blurring together. But it was something like that. It was definitely paradiddles and doubles reading syncopation. So I did a little bit of it, not a ton of it. Um, And then also worked with Carter McLean on his book. So that has a bit of that in there. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. So if you guys don't have Carter McLean's book, it's so well laid out. And I think that a lot of books are way too ambitious. And I want to give Carter credit for just keeping the concept very repetitive, very simple, but damn, is it hard if you've never done that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it one could be four ones, to sure. 10, 15, 20, 17 years of your life. <laughs> but the good thing about it is sometimes I open a book and I'm like, God, it's like 40 paragraphs of reading text before I find out what's actually going on. And then the yeah. exercises are so complicated and they don't make any sense. And then every two pages, it's a new concept. I think Carter's book is really well laid out to be like, hey, you know how you guys freak out online over my hands? I'm not doing anything that crazy. I'm just doing the basics way deeper than you do them. Yeah. And I think that's the what you get out of that book. So Yeah, and I think um, the exercise you're talking about, it kind of illustrates this this concept. It's easy to intellectualize it. You know what it is. Double strokes and you're accenting different rhythms. Inside. And, yeah. And, yeah, but then you go to sit down to practice it. There's Inevitably, there's one. Like if you're playing the Roomba Clave, it's going to be that displaced three- Yep. Because that's the only one that's on the second note, right? No. Um, the the second note is two. One, E, and ah. Uh. So that's right, right, left, left, right, right. Oh, I'm right. I'm I'm playing the doubles in double time. Ah, uh, see? This is what we talked about last yeah. week. So, uh, so, yeah. So that feeling it as 16th notes, one, E, and ah, uh, two. And if you do three, two, rumba clave, one, E, and ah, uh, two, E, and ah, uh, then you got two lefts in a row that are on that second note it can be tough and then the cool thing is once you get that i think my goal with that exercise and that challenge was to do exactly what carter's book does so well which is alert you to are you sure you know your basics Mm -hmm. like how well do you know them because most people know their basics on a basic level but the greatest players in the world know their basics on a pro level yeah for sure yeah i mean that's the more I dissect some of the greatest drummers on earth, like Vinny, they're just playing singles and doubles and, and buzzes and flamps, but it's just their depth of knowledge of those things is just yeah. insane. I mean, the Keith Carlock lick is possibly one of the most simple, not easy, simple licks on the planet. Yeah. What is it? Pretty much a paradiddle diddle followed by two kicks. And yeah. then you can put those kicks anywhere in there. But when he does it with, a masterful touch and full command of every possible variation. It's just like, ah, I know what that is, but it's almost like you gotta, you gotta fully buy in to even do it. Cause no, I it, can't do it. That one, I cannot get to feel comfortable. It's just never going to be something in my vocabulary. And I guarantee though, that if we, if we were able to go back in time, I guarantee Keith has more time with it than you do. I mean, he actually got to it, and he was like, he latched onto it. It's like this is going to be a key thing. I'm going to obsess over this, and he shifted those bass drums, and he changed left hand lead, and he he started on the e, the and, the uh, and just cared so much, you know. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden, one gig, he's like, "F it, <laughs> I'm doing it." And it like, and he got the nod from the bass player, and he's like, oh, <laughs> "I'm doing it more." And they were like, hey, do you want to play the Modern Drummer Festival? He's like, hell yeah, I do. And he dropped it on that thing. And then, yeah, it's it's. I love those things. I have three or four licks for sure that it doesn't matter if you said, just go ahead and play a bossa nova for an hour. At some point, that lick will show up because it's just <laughs> my thing. It doesn't matter what environment I'm in. I need it's more my get out of jail free card. I need more <laughs> licks in my life. I got none. You <laughs> I got don't know. Boone, Debbie Boom. That's about it. <laughs> 
Hey man, once you once you realize that Debbie can can show up first, <laughs> Debbie boom, Pat boom. That's when it's like, wait a minute, oh, why have we been so wrong. sexist and always putting the man before the woman? That's all. This wrong. is incredible. What if she had a sister? Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, Debbie Boone, <gasps> Bull Scott. Oh, it's endless. It's endless. It's all you need. <laughs> all right. What the hell Let's are we talking talk about? Okay, clubbies. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so last week we talked to you guys a little bit about a clave, and that's why we wanted to make this kind of the clave episode. We even have a challenge for you guys that we want you to be participate in. It ties in with dream symbols. So we'll get into all of that in a second. So first of all, let's talk about what a clave is and, and we're not going to go down the traditional Latin route, but we know that in our world of just average drummers, we have these claves that show up constantly. And so we have four main claves mm. from Cuba that, most drummers know, and that would be our two three song clave, our three two song clave, our two three rumba clave, and our three two rumba clave. Mm-hmm. And so, son would have been the dance period early on in Cuba, and then around the 1960s, we get into the rumba dance period. And that, what's crazy about it is it is it displaces the clave by one single note. Yeah. And damn, does it make it harder if you've only learned the song claves first? Yeah, it's like the modern version of a clave, and in. in as I was studying a lot of African drumming in college, I realized, oh, these are just universal rhythms. They're everywhere. Yes. I mean, there's absolutely. Uh, we were literally playing three two song clave on bells for African dances. And at no point did the master drummer be like, hey, this is a Cuban thing. No. Right. <laughs> this is absolutely. Ghanaian. <laughs> Not to mention how often you hear maybe only the three side of a clave looped. I mean, that shows up in yeah. Calypso and Soka and Wani and Atu and Wani and Atu. Uh, you hear that all the time in reggaeton. So, correct. These are universal rhythms. Uh, if you really want to go down a crazy rabbit hole of claves and change that word clave into something new. So, for most people, the clave is set in stone. It's either rumba, it's sewn, it's 3-2, it's 2-3. But if you want to consider it more like repeated pattern, like ostinato, please check out Rhythm. It's uh, Billy Martin's book, R-I-D-D-I-M. And that opens your mind to one or two bar repeated rhythms and, tr- yeah. and calling those. Yeah, I think he, so, he's pulling them from cultures around the world, right? It's all. Oh region. yeah. They're not, yeah. it's not random syncopation. You yeah. know, they're all legit. So for the purpose of this podcast and this episode, we're going to stick to our standard clave. So you did some experimentation with what the two, three zone. Yeah. So the, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but you and I discussed what we're going to do for this challenge. And it is going to be taking one of these claves and displacing one note within that clave to create a new rhythm and then using that new rhythm to inspire some sort of new drum set idea. And that's right. going to be the challenge. So what I did, typical nerd fashion, I programmed three, two song clave in Ableton live. And then I moved the last note backwards by a note and listened to it. And then I removed, moved the last note forwards by a note and listened to it. And I did that with each element of the three two song clave. So only moving one note, what are all the possible variations? I'm not a mathematician. So you did I'm three two. one. I did three two. Okay, I said two three, sorry. Yeah, Got I did it. three two and I found eleven possible new claves to mess around with. Maybe we can drop You're in a few a of them. <laughs> well let's how about we start with the traditional three two song clave? Alright, here it is. All right, so we all okay. know that's that sure. sound. <laughs> okay, sorry. You have it's first of all, just so you guys know, it wasn't both rhythms. If you've never practiced claves, it wasn't both rhythms. There was an actual clave playing quarter notes, then there was a woodblock <laughs> playing a clave. <laughs> this is why introduction to world rhythms gets so confusing. Yeah, I, I included a pulse with the brighter sounding clave sound. <laughs> So the, the example two, I took the last note of that pattern and moved it back by one subdivision. Okay. So check that one out. Just instantly, whole new world. Yeah, whole new world because there's, like there's like a three over two kind of vibe happening already. Yep. Um, and then the next one, I did the opposite. I took that last note and moved it forward. 
as I was doing all these, some of them were like, oh, that's inspiring. Some of them were just like, that's a rhythm that I don't know that I can really do much with. Like that one to me sounds like that's a, that rhythm is kind of shut door. There's no, there's no exploring in that one for me, maybe for someone else. Because if you don't play that, those last two notes clear, I mean, there's no way to explore it. There's no space. So anyway, I did all of them, but let's go to the last two. So this is moving the first note of the three, two song clave backwards and then forwards. Okay. Right there. I mean, just getting your feet going with like a little tomb bow, throwing that on the <laughs> hey, right don't hand. Don't give away all the ideas. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my goodness. Be the challenge. All right, now let's do the last one. So this is one I've never tried before. The first note is actually appearing at the end of the phrase now because I displaced it. Okay, so you won't hear it until we get to the end of the bar. Exactly. And it becomes like a pickup note. Yep. Got it. That one's cool for having like a, like a, illusion you don't know where the downbeat is yeah it has that over yeah it has that over the bar line feel actually that one is exactly what all people feel like the first time they hear an actual track from cuba and they're like well i don't understand why is no one hitting the one? Oh yeah it's right. like it's like you can't feel it like you don't and it's like if you if you don't know what to listen to it's just like well i don't understand why they just won't put kick on one and three and snare on two and four the song would be so much easier to follow it's like well they're a little bit more rhythmically advanced than we are so Okay, so that is the concept that we want you guys to stick to, and that is the idea of take a clave, one of our four standardized claves, if you want to call them that, and then be able to tell us, I took the third note and moved it forward one note, or I took the second note and moved it back one note, whatever you want to do. But we should be able to easily identify it. We don't want you to go so... You can hear from those examples. You don't need to go that crazy with it. No, I would Moving yeah. one note. You got a whole new world. Yeah, I would resist the urge to move everything because then you're just making up a new rhythm and then it defeats the whole purpose. It's move one note, Great. explore it, see if it's inspiring. If not, try a different one. Okay, so let's get into some practical application of this. I went through this process. Uh, Michael will be doing it this week along with you guys. So I went through this process. I took the 3-2 Roomba Clave. So I want you guys to hear that first. Here it is with a metronome. This is the 3-2 Roomba Clave felt in 16th notes at 90 BPM. So you're going to, you can think of it as 1E and a 2E and a 3E and a 4E and a 1E and a 2E and a 3E and a 4E and a. Okay, so here you go. By the way, I am just playing it off of my computer, so uh, sorry that my audio isn't as crisp as Mr. Dawson's samples. Uh, okay, so that's the traditional 3-2 Roomba clave. It's taking the 3-2 song clave and moving that third note back one. So instead of 1-E e and a 2-E e and a 3-E e and a 4-E, we have 1-E e and a 2-E e and a 3-E e and a 4-E and a. And that's what Mike and I were referring to in the beginning as like the hipper clave or the more modern clave because that showed up in around the mid-1960s. So what I did was I took that same clave and I displaced the fourth note. So instead of 1-E e and a 2-E e and a 3-E e and a 4-E and a, I took the fourth note and moved it back in time by one sixteenth note. One e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a one e mm-hmm. and a two e and up. Sorry, one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a. Uh, once again, for somebody that grew up, I probably started working on claves and Latin rhythms and world rhythms in my mid to late teens, and at no point did I think to myself. I've got this so down, let me mess with it. <laughs> yeah, no. So, <laughs> so this was really difficult for my brain because I've spent two decades now with this is what it is. And by moving one note, it's one sixteenth note away from everything I know dear to my heart. Mm. Oh, yeah, my no, body I mean, was, was not having it. Memorize it? Did you feel yourself falling back into the just the regular y- pattern? Yeah, the, the key for sure was singing. I have mm. to sing. You know, like if if I have to think of numbers or rights and lefts, it's we're not even close to being in the ballpark of freedom. Mm. As soon as it's a sound, you know, dang, 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 shaka, dang, 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 dang. As soon as I can sing it and shout it in my head, 
then I can play it pretty well. So what I did was I took that part and I moved it around a bunch of different ways. I did the standard thing you would think of, which is to just play it. And then I played it over some ostinatos. I tried some other things. But what I really found to work for me that I would actually use myself is I put the right hand part, the clave displacement on the bell. And then I filled in the rest with ghost notes and some bass drums. And then I gave it a halftime backbeat. So dang, 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 dang. And that to me just was like, oh, wow, this isn't that far away from something I would naturally play. So you want to hear the example of that? Let's do it. So there you go. It's, I thought it was interesting that you put the hi-hat on the offbeats to give it kind of a implied double time vibe. Interesting choice. Yeah, I, I think it was already there from playing a bio with my feet when I first started the process. Mm, okay. So my feet were going doon, chitoon, 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 in the beginning. And then eventually uh-huh. I got this halftime backbeat, moved the right hand to the ride, and my left foot was already doing that. And it kind of gave it a little more momentum. Mm-hmm. When I put the left foot on the downbeats, it kind of bogged it down a little bit. It actually made it fa- feel like I was playing 5 BPM slower than I actually was. Interesting. That upbeat gave it like some, ooh, okay. okay. I mean, that's a I mean all the happiness topic. in the world lives on the upbeats, right? We, should, we have to talk about the left foot in the future. future yeah, episode. and we need to talk about upbeats. Yeah. <laughs> Try listening to reggae if the guitarist goes, chick, 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 four, chick. Chick, it's not reggae. It's not. There's no happiness. You can't have ska going chit, chicka, chit, chicka, chit, chicka, chit. <laughs> I've never chit, heard anyone chit. try that. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Becomes punk, punk rock. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chit, chicka, chit, chicka, chit, chicka, All right. So, anyways, we would love for you guys to do the exact same thing. Take a clave that you can tell us it's two, three Roomba, two, three stone, whatever. Displace one single note, uh, and then. And then see where it takes you. You know, you're going to have to learn that rhythm and internalize that rhythm on its own. Don't just jump on the kit and start trying stuff out. Really dial it in and then think, how's it going to show up? I mean, that could be a great, we won't give too much away, but it could be a great tom melody. You could do so much with this stuff. Yeah, I think it, the key is going to be keep it simpler than you think. To keep totally. it clear, make sure the original rhythm is pretty obvious. Um yeah, I think the more dense you try to make it, the more it's going to be not cool. But anyway, here, but here's the so we're going to do a giveaway. We've got a Dream Symbols because Dream is sponsoring this episode, and we're going to give away a Gorilla Ride for a random participant in this challenge. So we're not going to be picking a winner based on how great you sound. We're just going to be randomly choosing someone who did the challenge and posted something. I guess we should limit it Instagram. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I'd and love to see that. Hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast. Title your post clave displacement challenge or something like that. Just something obvious, but tag Mike and I, tag Dream Symbols, whatever you got to do to get our attention, send it to us in the DM. Um, so Dream is sponsoring every other episode, so we're going to give you two weeks. So we got until the next Dream sponsorship in two weeks for you to get something posted. And we're going to give away this yeah. gorilla ride, which is a... It's a gorilla. It's a beast. Is it? <laughs> yeah. What size is it? It's a 22, and it's the heaviest thing okay. that they make. It's, so it's okay. perfect for playing a clave bell. Pack. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if you want your neighboring counties to hear your clave, play it on the gorilla ride. So you know what's fun about this stuff is just listening to the variations you did on a mathematical basis. You weren't searching for creativity. It was like, mm-hmm. well, let me just shift this and see what happens. I could have the next... I don't know, 10, 15 years of my practice worked out for me now. I mean, yeah. you could, it's, it's endless, absolutely endless. And I think that one thing that I've always loved about drummers is some, some sort of thread that's tying everything together where I know, even though you're improvising, something's holding you together. And I, I always go back to that Dave DeCenzo modern drummer solo. Mm-hmm. He, there were so many times there was something holding it all together, you know? 
Yeah, um, and most of the time it's because he's singing melodies and his drumming is following the singing. It's such an important thing that drummers just don't do. Man, speaking of Dave, he just put out an Instagram clip like, hey, here's number 27 from my yeah, book. Yeah. It made so much more sense. His book made so much more I sense when he did. Thing. I was like, do the whole damn thing, bro. Quarantine is good for him making sense out of all that stuff. But, you know, even still when he does it, like, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, intellectually, I know, I know what he's saying, but I really don't know what he's doing. <laughs> like, I really don't. It's going to take I mean, a while. That, it's, it's almost like the Keith Carlock thing we were talking about. He has so much freedom to put those licks and chops i mean into him i'm sure he probably hates those terms him they're probably phrases yeah but but for our purposes we're gonna call it licks and chops but he has so much freedom to start them anywhere and have it actually feel comfortable Mm -hmm. you take the most complicated thing he knows and just say all right start it on the e of two it's the same comfort level as the downbeat of one for him. Yeah. Well, that's, and that that's is the not talent. Of his book. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. I, <laughs> well, you kind of need him to do it to see, like, okay, I kind of get it. But he, he I, I just wish more people understood how much obsessive time that takes and that it's not talent. It is sitting down and being like, well, the, just like what we did with that clave, the process starts now. I'm going to have to learn it. I'm yeah. going to learn the single stroke sticking of it. I'm going to learn the double stroke sticking of it. I'm going to learn the paradiddle sticking of it. That's before I ever even sniff a drum set. Yeah, that's all the Just so I can start to internalize work. this. That's the painful yes. part. I mean, some people are talented and they can just hear it and play it and cool. Good good on you. But even those, and I won't name any names, but there's some world-class drummers that I'm surprised when I sit down in a room and interview them. They haven't done that with everything. Like, you're just right. very naturally gifted. You do that thing one way, but that's kind of where it stops and yeah it's like they they've mastered that one thing which is cool so it's like all of us have room to grow even the best drummers in, in the world don't understand everything 100 percent all the way inside now no and then there's we you and i have both met plenty of people that understand everything inside and out and still can't make the drums sound good or their instrument or their craft yeah, i mean right. that's just a common thing so i think really what what this podcast is meant to speak to is not the naturals. It's meant to speak to the frustrated drummer that's like, why am I having so much trouble with this? And I always say, unless you've put in the same amount of hours as that person, I wouldn't be that frustrated because mm-hmm. that's the only time I give myself permission to be frustrated is when I look at something specific and I say, no, 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 I actually equal that person's hours. I put everything I had into it and it's still not going well for me. Then I give myself permission to be frustrated. Yeah, that'll but generally, happen that'll happen. I mean, oh, for sure. If you sit down in a room with the Vinnies of the world, and you realize <laughs> it's unfair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I've, and I know I've practiced paradiddles as much as this person, <laughs> <laughs> but but he's so Vinny. Yeah, I th- well, and l- I think every single hobby in the world has their Vinnies and their Weckles and their yeah. and their Chambers and the people that just. It's like, man, you were just meant to do this. I'm glad you found this because yeah. I really. Don't think Vinny would have been as great at being a unicyclist as he is as a drummer. <laughs> He's meant to do this. I mean, it, I um, think it's not too dissimilar to like a major league pitcher. Some totally. people just can do that, and yeah. very few people can do that. <laughs> it's a very yeah, limited and, and we know. I mean, it's such a great analogy because we know the difference between somebody that can throw 100 miles an hour, and that's what they have, and yep. they don't have much else. And then we know a Greg Maddox that can actually tops out at 87, but can pitch his ass off through an entire game. Yeah. And really, really owns the craft of pitching. Like, look, yeah. I wasn't given the 100-mile-an-hour fastball, so I had to dig deeper. And, yes, we're getting somewhere. This is good. <laughs> but you know what? I can't throw 85 miles an hour. <laughs> That's fast, do your, dude. <laughs> do your hours equal Greg Maddox's? I don't think I they do. I would have torn every ligament in my body <laughs> trying to throw 85 miles That's an hour. That's why you were meant to be a drummer. <laughs> All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that segment and – are excited to experiment i would think of you can think of it as claves obviously but you should be excited to experiment with these short patterns of repeated rhythms these short ostinatos i mean they're so much fun and there's so much you can do with them all right now we're going to get into some gear yeah let's talk about um oh by the way again hashtag modern drummer podcast um tag mike and i tag modern drummer tag dream symbols everything you need to do to get our attention about that giveaway you've got two weeks to do it so and if, if you're doing it to win a symbol, whatever. If you're doing it to be a part of something cool and let us see what you're doing, that's what we want to see. 
Uh, please don't be too embarrassed to put stuff up. You know that Mike and I are like two of the most accepting, supportive drummers on the planet, and we just want to see you try. I mean, exactly. effort is the jam. So, All right, so you did a hi-hat mic shootout. I did. So I'm kind of going through each piece of the kit and just seeing what's the best option of whatever microphones I actually own. I'm not trying to do a survey of every possible thing on earth. It's just what are the typical mics in my locker that might be for this application. I got to the dreaded hi-hat. So that's where we're at this week. Um, So I did a bunch of um, dynamic mics and a few condenser mics that would typically be used for this type of application. Okay, so I have a quick question. In a typical session, first of all, do would you have a hi hat mic on your kit in a typical session for, an, for another artist? It's there, okay. unless they say I only want three mics or I want. Um, otherwise, okay. it's always there. Yeah. Okay. Then in a final mix, where would this typically sit? Like, if if we're doing a one to ten level, where would this sit? It totally depends on: Are we going for a real upfront, like each? instruments separated maybe there's no room mics maybe the overheads are lower than then maybe the hi-hat will be even with the snare i'm thinking like if you're going for like a steely dan kind of vibe okay nine times out of ten it's just enough to position the hi-hat in the, the right spot in the stereo field like just enough oh, okay. to have it poke up on, on either the left if you mix from the drummer's perspective or on the right if you mix from the audience perspective. Audience. Okay. But never nice. up – for me, I never put it up to where it's like you can hear the overtones of the bell of the hi-hat. That's not my vibe. But some people do. So before we find out your uh, your findings, at the end of this shootout, do you still have the same main hi-hat mic that you had before this shootout or did you change your mind? <laughs> I'll spoil it. I could have. It would have been totally cool, the one I've been using for years. And then the one I thought I liked best after doing this test, when I went to actually do a track, it was not the right one. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) I'll explain once we get there. All right. Well, let's give it a listen. So um, you really got to see the video to know what it is. So the first one is, we'll just go like mic by mic. The first one is a Shure Beta 56A, which is the little mic that kind of looks like the bass drum mic. It's like a miniature version of that. So this is the Shure Beta 56A. So that was the one that ended up on the smooth jazz record just because I was just trying it. And it was like, all right, that sounds cool. We're going to use that back. Okay. So then I swapped it out for a blue Encore 101 or 100i, which is blue's version of the like uh, Shure SM57. And so it sounds like you're going from full kit mixed and then just soloing up the hi-hat, hi-hat, right? Yep, for like two bars. Now, throughout this process, do we have any massive spikes in price, or are they all somewhat similar? All the dynamics are in the similar $100 okay. range, essentially. So we'll do all the dynamics first. So that's okay. the first, the second one. The next one is, I think it's an Audio-Technica. Yep, ATM, ATM 650. Again, this is Audio-Technica's version of the SM57. Knowing Audio-Technica's mics, I know exactly the thought process that goes into making that sound the way it sounds. Oh, yeah? Interesting. Yeah, just just meaning that they try so hard to stay out of your way. Uh-huh. And almost every Audio-Technica mic sounds, I don't want to say worse, but if it's raw and not mixed, 
<laughs> it will generally sound worse than its equivalent until you have someone that really knows what they're doing get a hold of it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because they, yeah. they're just trying their best to be as like honest as possible. But if you're used to having some mics that do some help for you and you throw them on your kit, all of a sudden you're like, there's no way my kit sounds that bad. And it's like, no, no, that's what your kits always sounded like. Yeah. That's fine. Stay okay, away so, from Earthworks mics because it's like, hey, all those wrinkles in your face, here they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's HD. 4K. All right. And the last we got of the dynamics is the classic Shure SM57, which is it's a modified version that has the body bent 90 degrees, but it's, it's a Shure SM57. Okay, so I have to say all four of these really just have a super dry, clean sound that seems like it would work great in any mix. Yeah. I, the only thing I noticed was the blue in the Audio Technica had some like wolfiness that I would have to scoop out. Okay. Because uh, I didn't put a shelf on the track. The, the the input on my interface has the high-pass filter, so it's getting rid of the super lows, but there's still some like like wolfy air stuff that, I, that was interesting. Mm. Um, it, it's not... I would definitely mix it out, but it was just strange Absolutely. that those two mics picked it up. But the two shores, I could barely tell the difference, honestly. Okay, now the the benefit of having these unidirectional um, mics is that there's not a lot of bleed, right? I mean, you're really yeah. just getting hi-hat for the most part. Yep, and they're kind of naturally a little bit less high-endy, so you're not getting sizzly. a lot of sizzly harshness. Awesome. So, okay, those, so are the, those are the four dynamics. Um, and now let's go to a few condenser options. This first one is, uh, yeah, MXL603, which is a pencil condenser. So right away, we're now hearing more of that sizzly uh, kind of high end stuff, and a little more. Cl- I wouldn't. I don't know if you, clarity is the right word, but there is some more high frequency going on. But there's also a little bit more snare and mm-hmm. crash cymbal yep. in the mix now. So I, I guess if you're looking for something that's enhancing the overall kit, great options. But if you're trying to be super controlled over just having the high hat and the high hat mic, then mm-hmm. you would want to go the other way. Especially knowing most of us overplay the hi hat in the studio, that right. could be a danger zone. So the next one is the Audio Technica AT eight four seven one. This was my hi hat mic for years. Okay. I mean, since I started a studio, this has been my hi hat. And mic. it's positioned different than all the rest. So I'm assuming the capsule. It's kind of like a large diaphragm condenser as far yep. as it's capsule side, facing. Side, yeah, side address mic rather side than address. from the top. Yep. Last but not least, we have the Shure Beta 181, which is another side address. It's like a little lollipop mic. Um, So it's the last one, Shure Beta 181. Okay, so my first takeaway from this entire thing is that the one that I would choose to be a hi-hat mic if it was soloed is not the one I would choose when you're playing as a full mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? That's, yeah, There's I mean, a- that, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, okay, really? Okay. Yeah. After I did this test, I'm like, you know what? That short beta A181 has 
all the crispiness of the condenser, but it's not giving me too much real stuff. I want to try that one. And it sounded great. But then as soon as I recorded a track with music, I had to mute it. I was like, that's just too harsh. It's not the right sound. Okay. Because when I brought up the fader to where I could actually hear the height, it was like making my ears hurt. I'm like, nope. There's a reason why. Now, the why Beta 181, I don't, I don't have it, but it's a pretty popular overhead mic, right? I, I feel yeah. like I've seen that on overhead, a lot of people's it, kits as uh, overheads. Hand percussion, it's used, it's used okay. often. It's good for, like, if you want to mic the ride cymbal for occasions when you need to do that. I've used it in overheads for live because it doesn't pick up a ton of drums. If you just want to mic up the cymbals. It's a really beautiful gotcha. mic, but in the context of a track, playing the full drum set and having distorted guitars and stuff, I had to. It just was too bright, too. Bright. Okay. So I ended up going. So what did you end up going with? SM57. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I could it have done just, the Beta it, 56, but I'm like, I've got this sure. weird 57 with a with a bent body. I'm not using it for anything. Yeah, else. I was going to ask when when you say modded, I always think that someone did it themselves, but it looks like sure sold it that way. It's another company called Grinelli Audio, I think. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So they take a 57, all the guts, and then put it in this different They Yeah, they just factor. insert like an elbow joint in the body of it. So ah. it's instead of having this big, long body you have to deal with around the kit, you can place it a lot more discreetly. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Very so cool. that ended up being the um, one. So I'm going to be sticking with the old SM57 as a man, high there's just something innate in me that kills me when I'm purposely using a hundred dollar mic, knowing <laughs> what's on the shelf. Know. You know what I mean? But it's like, but you can't argue with like the blind, the the Pepsi challenge. Sometimes you just have to put on the blindfold yeah. and be like, I'm a Coke fan for life. And then all of a sudden you're like, what? Green tea? I could have sworn this was Coca-Cola. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Very I, cool. I mean, I think Very in cool. the, in the, overarching i didn't hear such a huge difference with any of these that i couldn't make it work but the the difference of mixing a condenser in a track that has a lot of like a lot of our information with guitars and stuff versus the dynamic which i could kind of crank it a bit more and it didn't it didn't make my ears hurt as much so that's that's probably why you see 57s on hi-hats so often because you can you can just make them louder yeah yeah i think without without it getting in the way very cool stuff all right well i'm sure we'll have more of those shootouts coming up now it is time to get to some listener questions i'm excited we do have an audio questions hey mike and mike this is nick from binghamton um, i'm no longer in poughkeepsie i just had a quick question about uh it's something you guys brought up i think it was last week and that's maintaining good touch and good volume while still maintaining intensity and it's something I'm very curious about because I often have to play quiet jazz gigs or musical theater productions where the loudest I can be is that like mezzo middle volume. And um, I was just wondering if there's if there's anything you guys have in mind uh, that you want to suggest, like things to practice or things to learn about, um, just for kind of maintaining energy and maintaining depth when you're still playing at a soft volume. All right, thanks, guys. Juno, what do you think? <laughs> uh i think that that question will come up for the rest of time because it's something that swinging for the fences on a drum set just feels good it feels juno agrees it feels natural <laughs> and there's like so much feedback going through your body when you're really hitting hard and then to have that same intensity and that emotion when you have to be down really low especially at at faster speeds it's tough and it it feels like you're just trapped in this cage and you can't be yourself Mm -hmm. until you fall in love with the benefits of doing it the benefits of doing it is that your drums are so pleasing to the ear Mm -hmm. um there's a whole new drum set that emerges now one thing that we haven't mentioned much is very rarely do you see someone play really low volumes super intensity and loosely tuned drums it is hard to do. Yeah, the drums don't just, make any tone. Yeah, they just flap. It doesn't work. So yeah. as you're bringing that volume down, consider cranking your drums up a little bit more. Bring your to- When you hit high-tuned toms lightly, they actually don't sound as high-pitched to the listener as you would think. And I'm not talking jazz-tuned. I'm just talking bringing them up just a little bit, mm-hmm. bringing the snare up a little bit. All of a sudden, everything gets more responsive. You realize like, oh, this is why people can do double strokes on toms. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, because they have rebound now. You know, switch to some single ply heads yep. uh, to get even more response. So, what do you think? 
I think that's a great. We have, we actually never mentioned that, but yeah, you need to tune higher for for low volumes. You just have to. It just doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't work the other way. And I think the other thing to try, which is something I got from Gil Sharon, is play at a volume that makes you feel good. As loud as you need to play to where you feel the visceral response. Memorize that internal feeling. Now play as quiet as you can and still feel the same way inside your body. Like force your, you know, get into that headspace of what does it feel like when I'm really intense, focused on the drums and and really mentally engaged, and just bring the volume down. The internal intensity should never be, should never become weak because you're playing low. Right. That's the challenge. It's like you think, oh, I've got to be internally quiet. In, is on a parallel level with the volume of the drums, but you should probably be internally even grittier, grinding it out even harder inside to keep the intensity yeah. up. Totally. Uh, unfortunately, the drums, they do have a lot of parallels to the world of golf, but the one thing that golf has that the drums don't have is, okay, swing normal from here, but we're just going to swap out the club. So just be mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But now instead of using a you know a seven iron, you're going to use a wedge. With the drums, you actually do physically have to change quite a bit. You're not going to, and I think that that's, there's a part of us that deep, deep in the back, we want to know, like, no, just tell me what to buy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. Like, even honestly, I feel like if I gave someone with great touch, if I gave Keltner a set of two Bs and said, I need you to play this quiet pop tune and be very delicate, it really wouldn't, he wouldn't be like, I can't do it with these sticks. Yeah, you figure you know, out a way. I mean, like, yeah, that kind of goes back to yeah. like you need to internalize, you need to visualize the sound that you want to produce and the mm-hmm. volume that you need to produce that. And then I've found your body figures it out rather than the opposite of me reacting to what the instrument's doing. It's more like, what do I want it to sound like? And then make that happen. It's not easy. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I struggle with it no, like everyone. Not else. at all. No, this is, uh, it's funny. When I was in. LA doing the thing for Gretsch with Victor Andrizo and Mark, uh, we actually talked quite a bit about how much my sound has changed since, since working with Mark just at those camps. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Mark's never given me a lesson, but I am present for all of his classes. And he was like, dude, your, your drums have to be like three octaves higher than they were when I met you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, totally. But my volumes come down a lot and I care about touch and, and it's, I just want you to know, Nick, it's hours and hours every night with like taking my in-ears out, taking my earplugs out and just trying so desperately hard to make this instrument sound good to the ears. And it's so much work. So just know that it's it's kind of that unnoticed work that you don't get any props for it and yep. no one will ever see you doing it, but, but you they will, will feel the difference. You will get gigs Absolutely. because you can do it. I mean, I'm, I became yeah, known as the guy who could play quieter than everybody else in college. Therefore, <laughs> I got the gigs that were the, the least exciting for people, but the, really? sometimes the most challenging, like you know, orchestral gigs or theater gigs or, or dinner jazz gigs. I was just the guy that could just play quiet because I just practiced all the time playing quiet. There you go. But then I struggled to play loud, so there's the other side of it too. Um, <laughs> by the way, we should mention our our buddy Mark just launched the Patreon page. So if you're looking looking to get more uh, inside his creative process, go check out Mark Giuliano on Patreon. I got a chance to proof a couple things that he was posting and even transcribed one of them. It was so cool for him. I was like, here's a transcription. Use it if you want to. If not, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to transcribe it so I could steal your stuff. Um, Right, but yeah. So go to Patreon, check out Mark's stuff. It's really cool. It's all solo drum kind of experiments, and then he's going to do some live Q and A's. Um, I'm really glad that he decided to start, quote unquote, teaching a little bit. He's got a lot to offer. Absolutely, he, he does, and it's it's going to be a really great experience. And one thing that I'm happy about is it's going to be a Mark experience. And yep. Mark is not one to take someone else's ideas and then just steal them he he kind of goes in and says okay this is what is out there this is the technology that's available how can i reimagine this so it's very me and uh i've kind of been a part of this process with him just helping in little tiny ways but his vision is one of those things where i just go like oh come on man it's so good so good all right do we have any more questions now let's move on to pick of the week Okay, we I've got to pick We do have week. more questions, and I do remind everyone to email me directly, MikeD at ModernDrummer.com. Um, we, we do have a bunch, so we probably should plan on a 
all listener question episodes soon, but you know, we're kind of getting getting long in the tooth on this episode, so let's move on. Pick a Okay. Week. All right. So, this is a pick for you if you haven't seen it yet. Have you seen the new show on FX and Hulu called Devs? DVS. No idea what that is. Okay. I need you to see it. Okay. And I don't even care if you have your TV on. I just need the sound on. So okay. it's my pick of the week because I think it might be the most brilliant sound design I've ever heard in a movie or a TV show cool. or anything. The sound design is incredible. So Devs is um, the writer that did uh, – I never can say this right because no one else has ever said it. But is it Ex Machina? Ex Oh, I don't Machina. know. Machina? <laughs> okay. Machina, I would think, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, so he's done quite a few movies that are incredibly realistic about the future and incredibly eerie. And he's mm. really good at the eerie thing, but not scary. It never goes scary. It's just kind of like, uh, damn, that's a little too close to the possible truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been <laughs> for anybody that watched that stuff like pandemic type stuff. I was going like, to say anyone that watched the movie right outbreak and they were like, damn, they got this right 12 years ago. Uh, What's so the one parasite that, that won the, yeah, they're all, all the same. And you just go like, Oh wow. I guess you guys probably had the CDC helping you out with this while you were making the movie. Cause you got it. Perfect. Okay. So anyways, the show is called devs. And it's um, it's not really about the future at all. It's more about a tech company in San Francisco, maybe at the most a couple years in the future. But from what I'm judging from the cars, it's not the future at all. It's just the side of tech we don't see. Mm, like, okay. okay, what is the CEO of Apple really working on right now? Mm -hmm. Like just him and six other people. That's what devs is like. But if you want to watch the show, great. It's awesome. But please just listen to the sound design. It will blow you away. Uh, I will say this, uh, Hulu, not Hulu, um, FX also has another show called, uh, man, I won't even tell you, but anyways, <laughs> they have a few shows that take massive risks that I just think there's no way that someone at a TV company would be willing to pay for this. Like no one's going to want to watch this and they're putting so much money into it. And devs is like that where it's like. I don't know if this is going to have any mass appeal. Mm. You're taking so many risks, but it must have cost so much money to make this that I applaud them for doing it. And so just tonight and, and Mike, friend to friend, I will transfer you the three dollars if you don't like it. <laughs> if you don't like episode one and don't agree that the sound design is worth listening to, I will pay for it. Money back guarantee. <laughs> All right, cool. What was it called? Devs or Debs? <laughs> yeah, D-E-V-S. All right. On it. Like development. Cool. Boom. All right. My pick of the week. Um, I just got a set of new cases. I don't know if you can see in the background there. You probably can't. They're in the shadow. Barton Drums. Ooh, those are nice. Um, Barton Drums just put out some cases, and they are killer. They're um, – uh, the pricing here. Are find. those the, the ones with the pink fluff inlays? Yeah, they've got a pink in like interior, the inside? and they're kind of like, a, yeah. like an army tan exterior. They look really classy. Um, yeah, if you go to Barton's Instagram page, you'll see them, and they made the announcement. But what killed me was the price. You can get a 13, 16, 22 plus a snare bag, $179. So you can get cases Unreal. And for I mean, four piece the kit. details on those things, like the zippers. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. I don't know who's doing this. I don't know either. <laughs> but they're awesome. And the 12, 14, 20 with the snare bag is $169. So if you need new gig bags and you want something that looks a little bit, a little bit more boutique than just a black vinyl bag, these are awesome. So I just, I just got set both sets because I'm like, oh, I want these for my two gigging kits, and they're badass. So check them out, Barton Drums. I agree, they're they're amazing. The That's All it. right, you have some television to watch. I do. We have an outro groove. Yeah. Oh. Uh, before we bring in Simon's <laughs> outro groove, uh, reminder. To the giveaway contest, Dream Symbols giveaway contest. So you got to pick a clave pattern, displace one of the beats of the clave pattern, and come up with your own drum set variation of that. Post on Instagram, tag Mike and I, tag Bottom Drummer, use the hashtag Bottom Drummer Podcast, tag Dream Symbols, and in two weeks we will pick the winner of a gorilla ride based on those entries. Sweet All chicken right. gumbo. Our outro beat is Simon Treasure. He's playing a 1970s Ludwig Super Classic kit. 
He's got a frame drum stacked on top of the rack tom. He's got a Q drums, Gentleman's Series, Aluminum Snare. Um, he's got some cool stuff. Istanbul Agop cymbals, Keplinger Ching Ring, so on and so forth. This is Simon Treasure kicking us out of the door. Later, dude. Wow, look at you, tagline. <laughs> kicking us out of the door. <laughs> that was awesome. See you next week. Go practice.